we go. Got a counter anyway. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to Free Association. This is another quick roundup of clips about the by-election yesterday and the result. is here in Rwanda. Lots of questions being asked of him about those by-election losses. He has spoken to the press this morning, which he talked about how he was willing now to listen essentially to voters, that clearly these were midterm elections, midterm blues, as he's put it. And that do tend to lose uh, elections in midterm. Uh, but frankly, it's been a very, very difficult morning for the Prime Minister. We know in a hotel just not very far from where we are now, where he's staying, he got up pretty early at 6am to find out that he'd lost both Wakefield and Tiverton in those by-elections. He got into the swimming pool, Tom, but by the time he'd emerged, he was asked to take a phone call from Oliver Darden, who was about to resign as his party's chairman. It is a very significant blow for the Prime Minister, Dunge, sources insisting to us uh, today that he was briefing Oliver Dyke the Prime Minister ahead of PMQs on Wednesday, that there was no hint this resignation was coming. It came as a complete shock, not least of all because Oliver Dyke had been telling anyone who would listen that they were likely to lose the by-election. So Downing Street slightly perplexed by why Oliver Dyke has decided to use this opportunity to resign from the Cabinet. And I think the question is, and this is what really is worrying Downing Street, is in some ways, yes, the possibility of those rule changes around the backbenches that you've just been talking to Andrew Bridgen about. But more importantly, a fear that other cabinet ministers could resign now as well. Oliver Dyden's resignation, as I say, clearly, clearly is a blow, but it's not a knockout blow that's going to bring down the House of Cards. I think if we would see one or two other cabinet resignations, or even resignations at ministerial level, Penny Borden's much mooted for example, that could inflict a mortal wound on the Prime Minister. And it is difficult because, as you said, we are 4,000, 5,000 miles away uh, from where you are here in Kigali in Rwanda. He's here for the Chogham Summit. He's then going to go to the G7 in Munich and to NATO in Madrid. So he is effectively out of the country for the next week or so and trying to manage the party, trying to talk, as he has been, to senior cabinet ministers today. Not being in Downing Street makes that task a hell of a lot more difficult. And it's fair to say, I think, number 10, we're surprised this morning somewhat shocked and somewhat worried about my, what might happen in the days to come. Certainly, and I suppose just thinking about those days to come, uh, the Prime Minister, of course, being so far away, MPs being back in their constituencies, uh, when might we be expecting to see potential moves, potential uh, disquiet amongst ministers, be they cabinet or junior? Well, it's always really difficult to map these things out, but politics, in my opinion, is always about momentum as well, isn't it, uh, Tom? And interestingly, in the last couple of minutes, Michael Howard, who's the former leader of the Conservative Party, has essentially called for the Prime Minister uh, to go. He says the party, and more importantly, the country will be better off under leadership. And then listen to this, he says, members of the Cabinet should very carefully consider their positions. And so there is this sense, yet again, that we may be on that uh, cliff edge, just 
stood where a couple of weeks ago, before that vote of no confidence. And that is very tricky for the Prime Minister. Now, we are expected to hear from him in the next hour or so. He's going to have a press conference, actually, in this very hotel that we're staying in. He will face questions about his leadership. He will face questions, I think, Tom, about these by-election results, because he is, the Prime Minister, trying to portray this as kind of midterm blues, as people facing difficult times with the cost of living crisis that the government's trying to address. Well, he's not really accepted today, which many Conservative MPs would argue that in many ways they've lost these by-elections because of him, because of his premiership, because of the scandal around party gates. And it'll be interesting to see whether the Prime Minister concedes a little on that uh, point, because that is the concern, isn't it, amongst many Conservative MPs on this Friday lunchtime, this kind of pincer movement that we've seen yesterday in those by-elections, losing the red wall seats of Wakefield in the north to Labour, and then losing that southwest seat down in Tiverton to the Liberal Democrats. So the party essentially could get squeezed from both sides. All right, let's see what else we've got. the Conservatives losing two seats during by-elections last night. The traditional red wall seat of Wakefield, which the Conservatives won at the 2019 election, is now back in the hands of the Labour Party. And the Liberal Democrats, of course, took Tiverton and Holloton from the Conservatives, overturning an astonishing majority of more than 24,000 votes. Well, let's speak to an opinion polling specialist, David Cowling, someone who's been uh, studying elections for quite some time. David, I... I Looking at this swing, am I right in saying the swing, particularly in Tiverton and Honiton, is the largest swing on record for a by-election? I think the trouble, Tom, is that we've got a couple of things mixed up here. Certainly in terms of absolute numbers, 24,000-plus is, I think, the largest in numerically. Mm. But in terms of swing... Of course, the swing doesn't take account of the size. Mm, it yes, it gets the size. So, in terms of swing, it's very substantial. It's twenty-nine percent, but it is not the there has to be a larger swing. Yeah. So, so it's getting two conf- mm. you know, things in one's mind. In terms of the total number of absolute votes, twenty-four thousand plus, it is, I think, probably the biggest that's gone. But in terms of swing, no, it isn't. And looking historically. The Lib Dems have won these sort of seats before. I think uh, particularly the example that Tories like to bring up is Brecon and Radnorshire, which took place in the, in, in the year 2019, only a few months before the 2019 general election. The Lib Dems took it from the Tories then on an enormous swing, and then the Tories won it back just a few months later. Um, being the sad person I am, I've been looking at some of these figures, and over the last 40 years about 30% of all by-elections in Westminster have changed hands. But of that 30%, 6 out of 10 have gone back to the party at the subsequent general election. And I guess, I think you know, one can look at history and one can cherry-pick for whichever view one has, but one of the things I think some of the... Cons- 1987 to 92 mm. started off great conservative victory, hundred seat majority, and then all started to fall apart. The, 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 um, the conservatives started to challenge Margaret Thatcher's leadership, uh, and she eventually went. So it was real turmoil. Conservative eight seats changed hands mm. in that 87 to 92 Parliament. All eight of them went back to the original party. Uh, 
at the next at the 92 general election. Now, that's not to say that that's going to be the pattern, mm. but it is a reminder that these things do happen. And for example, if I'm not a gambling person, but if I was, I'd be very interested to see what odds I could get on the Conservatives taking back um, this seat at Tiverton Honnett in the next general election, when it won't be a by-election, when the Conservatives might lose, but that was one of the safest Conservative seats in the country. And so it may well go back, but, it's, but of course the significance is the now. And, and, and that's where the media has been really looking, because it's sort of the scale of the victories for the Liberal Democrats. Wakefield hasn't had so much of a look in in all the analysis today, and perhaps that's because it was less unexpected. It was a a, a, a smaller victory for the Labour Party and one that if it was replicated nationally might not well take the Labour Party into government. I think that's absolutely right. Um, the, the, the Lib Dems mustn't forget for Intervision Onton one seat with this astonishing 29% swing and they haven't been in uh, second place for three of the general elections, the last general elections, so they won mm. from third place. Yes, so the, the Labour Party came second in, yeah. in uh, Tiverton and Haunton in 2019 and 2017, and the Lib Dems came fourth in 2015 behind both Labour and UK. Yeah, UK came second, you're absolutely yes. right, so it was astonishing. So, of course, the drama is there. Wakefield, it was a much smaller majority for Labour to overturn the swing, I think about 3.6%, and they did it with 12.7%. And so, of course, in that sense, it was smaller. However, I think its significance shouldn't be underplayed. I mean, it was the first time Labour has won a by-election seat for 10 years. It's the biggest swing that they've had for 10 years. Now, some people might say, oh, well, but look back to 20 years before that and Blair and all the rest of it. Yes, but you have to start from somewhere, so to speak. And the Corbyn legacy for Labour has taken quite some time to sort of, you know, diffuse. So, although it doesn't guarantee an election, I mean, it's a very respectable mm. result, I think, for Labour, and one on which, obviously, they hope they can build on, but also, I think, endorses, vindicates a number of polls that have, of recent months which have been looking at the Red Wall territories, mm. opinion polls, and showing significant Labour recovery. So this seems to be consistent with it, none of which guarantees a Labour majority. We know they've got to get 124 seats. Just win an extra 100 is an extraordinary challenge. So nobody is saying that it guarantees them uh, that sort of victory, this result, but it certainly is on the way to them restoring their fortunes as the party that might take uh, the largest single party at the present. It's interesting, looking at some of the literature, I was, in, uh, I was in Wakefield earlier this week, and I've been looking at some of the literature that the Labour Party was putting out. They brought about a pledge card, like Tony Blair did in the 1997 election, with sort of, sort of local pledges on it, and they, they listed some of their bringing back bus routes, bus routes uh, saving a walk in health centre, more police on the street, all this sort of stuff. Um, interestingly, on none of these pieces of literature can I see... Sir Keir Starmer. I can see Lisa Nandy, the shadow levelling up secretary, but for the Red Wall territories, are Labour playing a canny game here? Do they recognise that potentially their party leader isn't the man who they want to put front and centre to win back these sorts of seats? Well, um, it's a very, very fair question. Um, I, I suspect there's a degree of truth in it. All political parties 
And, you know, each political party plays the game here, hasn't it, in the past, where people, Labour shout across the chamber. Did you see any photographs of ex-conservative leader, you know, on the, and everyone goes, ho, ho, ho. And then the other way back, I didn't see the Labour leader, you know, Corbyn, did he feature and all the rest of it. So, none of which answers your question seriously. I, I think they clearly know that with Keir Starmer, it's not that the people dislike him in the way that they disliked uh, Dil Kinnock and, and Jeremy Corbyn. It's just they don't have made their mind up about him. Mm. Loads of, a very significant number of people for the last two and a half years have actually said don't know, which is quite remarkable historically. So, they, so he doesn't, he's not the, the winner, so they don't put him on. The watchword pollsters are bringing up, and I've seen several word clouds about focus groups, and they've sort of asked people to associate boring. Boring is the big word that people associate with Sergei Starmer, which to some extent could be a positive. If everyone else blows themselves up, it's the way that Theresa May became Prime Minister. Could Keir Starmer, simply by not exciting opinions either for or against in the vast majority of people in the, in the country, could he just simply by standing still and being boring become Prime Minister? There is a chance, um, but I've always been something of a sceptic of those polls which say, you know, which uh, party leader would you want to go to the pub with? Which party leader would you want to have a meal with? And I think to myself, I want somebody who runs the country, <laughs> thank you very much, who gives national security and the rest of it. I don't want to go to the pub. You know, I didn't want to go to the pub with people who wouldn't have wanted to go to the pub with Margaret Thatcher. Good Lord, what a functional evening that would have been. But on the other hand, can anybody deny the impact uh, that she's had on the country and the way she transformed it in the period of time when she was Prime Minister? So I think, you know, boring, he'd like to do better than boring, but if it's boring versus bombast, then I think, you know, the, the, the market in bombast from Uncle Boris is, is actually diminishing. It's not playing as well right. as it used to. Well, it'll be really interesting to see how this all unfolds and how members of Parliament interpret these results as well. But for now, David Cowling, thanks so much for talking us through uh, all of those issues there. All right, that was quite a long clip. I've got one more. This is, this is a short one. extent might Tory MPs be at risk of over-interpreting these results, of thinking that they are going to naturally uh, be exactly the same way that people would vote in a general election? Just to look at the other side of the coin for a second, of course, there were specific uh, reasons why these by-elections came about, very unfortunate reasons, uh, one involving criminality and one involving incredibly lewd behaviour. Uh, and also, of course, we are uh, mid-term. These by-elections are ordinarily lost. I suppose those two points count almost in the favour of the Prime Minister. Yes, they certainly do. And obviously there were degrees of sexual bad behaviour, one resulting in Wakefield in prison and one resulting uh, very embarrassing for Neil Parrish, the MP that had been watching porn while looking for tractors in the House of Commons. Um, interestingly, he's been speaking this morning. Uh, he obviously is keen to downplay uh, his part in this. And certainly there will be people that would have voted for the other party in disgust at the behaviour of those MPs. Uh, but he is saying that this is a national vote. This is effectively, you know, a national vote, nothing to do with remakes. Um, I, 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 
yes, there's always a danger of reading too much into by-election results. Turnout is always significantly lower. There's been many, many cases of an incumbent government losing by-elections, then going on to win majorities. But of course, in the case of the Lib Dems, this is now the third very significant uh, seat they've taken from the Conservatives in the last year. Um, and there does seem to be a pattern. So I think some soul searching is needed. Whether getting rid of Boris Johnson is the answer, uh, who knows? But who would they replace him with? I think that is also part of the problem. And in the end, the easiest thing for the Conservative Party to do is nothing because it's not easy to get rid of a prime minister and they don't have a clear successor, a clear winner to put in his place. Boris Johnson was a winner, but now is he a liability? This is what they will be weighing up. A really profound question there. Well, Catherine Foster, thank you so much for joining us there live from Westminster to discuss all of that. To what extent might Tory... All right, let's get rid of uh, that particular clip there. So... That's pretty much it with the clips. I'm, uh, I'm more or less done with the by-election now. I'm, I'm by-electioned out. I'm more or less politicked out for at least a couple of days. Um, there might be, might be a show tomorrow with a bit of politics in it. I don't know. But for now, I'm, I'm pretty much done. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you again tomorrow.